All right, it is the Average Sean Pod. Chris, we are back once again. I'm going to be honest, from the jump, I'm not even going to ask you how your weekend was because this past weekend was so amazing in the world of sports that I don't know how anyone in their right mind could have had a bad weekend. So instead of how was your weekend, Chris, what was your favorite part of the weekend? I'm probably the wrong guy to ask, so I'm going to be honest. Uh, I was at a bachelor party all bachelor weekend in Western Maryland all weekend. Uh, kind of had to catch up on Saturday's... Uh, mess excitement whatever word you want to use to, to describe saturdays um i had to kind of backtrack and catch up on saturday's games um obviously sunday with big nfl and a big nfl week um but most importantly how about that ravens win last night dude i was not planning on staying up to watch it i was there was one drive i think like in the third quarter where i was saying like all right let's see what the team does here if something good happens in baltimore's favor I'll stick around. If it doesn't, then I'll move on. Just go to bed, wake up, check the final score, see how much they lost by. Well, I'm glad I stuck around. <laughs> Unreal. Un- I mean, to all the Lamar haters, what more do you need to see? I will say, if anything, you need to see more success in the playoffs. However, the dude can play. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, I also think it's important to note, I mean, so many crazy stats from last night's game, um, but Lamar is currently ranked, uh, sorry, tied for 15th or actually is 15th in total yards for offenses across the league. Lamar Jackson as an individual has more yardage than over half the teams in the NFL. It's great, uh, but that does also make me wonder, because first of all, your defense last night looked rough. Um, so not, not to bring you down from the high, but if, if they hadn't pulled off that comeback, this conversation would be completely different about how ba- just how bad your defense was. Totally. I mean, I think um, a lot of yesterday's game, first off, the Ravens, both the Ravens' lines looked awful throughout the first three quarters of the game. In the fourth quarter, I think what really helped specifically our offense is that the Colts were completely gassed. And in, in overtime, you saw that. They could not make a stop if they tried. Um, so that that's part of uh, the plus of, of, of having Lamar is that it, it wears down defenses. And we weren't even running the ball all that much. I mean, Lamar threw the ball 43 times, uh, the most in his career, and it's uh, – you know, he balled out uh, single-handedly. Um, and with also, you know, that being said, Mark Andrews is an absolute beast. Hollywood Brown is having a low-key, very, very good season. At least a very good stretch. He had the yips early on, but he seems to be getting over that. Yeah, I mean, he had that, that one game against Detroit where he had three drops in the end zone, you know, almost cost us the game until Tucker, you know, comes out and saves the day with a 66-yarder. Um but, I mean, Hollywood's putting up some sneaky numbers, and, uh, you know, the Ravens are not accustomed to that. We've, we got Miles Boykin back last night, and uh, Bateman is practicing. He took warm-ups yesterday. The plan was for him to not play, as he didn't. Um, but, you know, the Ravens are starting to get pieces back. I haven't seen anything on Ben Cleveland today, the uh, O-lineman that we lost last night. Um, and, you know... We're starting to get healthy, but pretty pretty nuts considering the Ravens also have only had 
of what, through five weeks of the NFL season, we've only had two weeks of normal practice because of our, we've had a weird schedule between Thursday night game, or sorry, Monday night games, Sunday night games, and um, being on the road and whatnot, and then obviously injuries. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. Now let's, you know, I'm also well aware that the Ravens season doesn't really start. You could argue when they start playing division games, but I think it really starts this week because you guys have the Chargers and the Chargers looked good. The last Chargers look good. I mean, he like, looks bad. Justin Herbert looks phenomenal, but also their defense didn't really show so much against Cleveland, but also Cleveland has one of the best, even with players hurt, I don't care, one of the best offensive lines in the league. So the fact that, like, they only hit Baker Mayfield once, I think is just kind of a chalk that up as, you know, hey, Cleveland is is just that good up front. But that defense is legit. And especially after they kind of, like, I guess you could say got embarrassed for what their standards probably are this past week with only the one hit on Mayfield. They're going to come the ball out on, uh, on Sunday. It's just a matter of, you know, if they can contain Lamar Um, to your point about him balling out. I will say that, you know, despite all the hullabaloo, Lamar was balling out through the air because for all the stuff from last, from the previous week, they didn't even get to a hundred rushing yards. So the record, the record remains what it is. So, you know, for all the, the talk and the, the issues that Vic Fangio had and all that garbage and everything, now it's just kind of a, a, a non-story because they didn't even break the record. So I guess a little bit of disappointment on the part of the Ravens, but I'm sure that they would take the win well over that personal record. Huge win, huge win. And um, I think, it, you know, there, there are a lot of things to work on, obviously. The first three quarters, I'm not going to admit, were absolutely terrible. So... Um, I don't know, better late than never, obviously, but man, they, they've just been in so many crazy games this season so far between the Tucker uh, 66 you know, yard kick, the longest in NFL history that happened to doink off the bar and then in um, to the, the comeback against the Chiefs to the comeback last night. That's three of the five games, not to mention week one where we happened to lose technically twice in one game to the Vegas, you know, Vegas Raiders. Uh, and it's, it's, it's been a crazy season so far for the Ravens. Um, I don't know what to amount that to, but I would like to start seeing some comfortable wins. But, you know, a win's a win, and uh, just really hope that everyone stays healthy. It's also important to note that Lamar has been missing a lot of practice time. They have not been letting him practice, so... I don't know if that's an injury concern or it, it, whatnot, but um, just got to keep him healthy. <laughs> yeah, no, I um, I definitely think that I want to say that, you know, I think that, you know, this could be the week where they get like a comfortable win to start that sort of streak, like what you're saying. Frankly, I think you're going to be lucky just to win this week. Uh, so if the Ravens do beat the Chargers, it's definitely not going to be a comfortable win by any stretch of the imagination. But I mean, you're right. They they need to they need to start soundly winning games. They need to stop eking out these wins, especially because they. Sh- I can't say that they really are like a clearly better team than Indianapolis because they have struggled throughout the season. But they're supposed to be a much better team than Indianapolis, and the fact that they're not is concerning. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, and like I said, I think a lot of last night's game, the Colts offensive line played out of their mind last night um, without Quentin Nelson too. So good signs there. I mean, yeah, you, you do have to feel bad. I, I would, the, the Colts have obviously, their record shows it. They have not been great this year. Not as unlucky as Detroit, but that's you know that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but oh, no, um, they can't catch a break. Yeah, and, and then, the Ravens and the are a part is, of like, it. They're they're playing well. You know they're they're not playing bad football. They were controlling the game for the most part against Green Bay, and then the second half came, and Aaron Rodgers decided they wanted to be Aaron Rodgers. And then this past week, you know, they get their hearts broken again by the fact that Minnesota's kicker finally figured out how to hit a field goal in the clutch. So. I, I just, my heart breaks for all Lions fans, even if, you know, they like, they could be like the most obnoxious people in the world. At this point, I'd say, you know what, just, just get some wins. You guys deserve it. You guys have been through so much, not just in your lifetime, but just in, in like these last five, six weeks of NFL action to begin with. So. Yep. They always find a way to lose. <laughs> yep. And my franchise, the, the team seems to find a way to continue to lose on and off the field. So uh, not going to touch too much on the story that ties to John Gruden, but, you know, if you want to check the media, you can. We all kind of know what's going on here. Uh, This is a story that's kind of relating back to some more of the larger issues at hand with the Washington workplace. Uh, There will be a part of me that will always cross my fingers and hope that this is the inevitable end of the Dan Snyder era where we can kind of go the same way that the NBA did on Donald Sterling and force him out. Uh, I think it would be deserved. Unfortunately, I think that the NBA is a bit more of a progressive league than the NFL is. It's more of an old boys club. So, you know, they haven't forced him out yet. I don't know what would force him out now, but fingers crossed that this is the end of him because my goodness, me and the rest of the DMV just can't stand this man. He needs to go, but I, I am going to say this. Maybe I'm just not in the loop with, with work today and whatnot. Did any more leaked out on Snyder? Or is it just the fact that the Gruden stuff leaked and was, you know, really thrown in, you know, the mass media across all platforms? Um, and meanwhile, the Snyder stuff was just totally buried. It didn't have much to do directly with Snyder from what I've heard. Uh, it was more what it had to do with, like, Bruce Allen, who was the team's president. But it all kind of ties back to, you know, if Bruce Allen is doing these sorts of things, he has to answer to somebody. And he was answering to Dan Snyder, which means that Snyder was either allowing it or promoting it. So one or the other, the guy's just a scumbag. So it's... I'm not going to lie. Last summer, obviously, summer of 2020, we were all just itching for any type of sports news that we could possibly get. And um, when that Dan Snyder stuff, rumors were, were swirling... Everyone was like, this is a big thing that's about to drop. And then it never dropped. I was pretty disappointed because like something like there was the amount of buildup around that was pretty nuts. And then for nothing to come of it is not cool. Um, And yeah, it's very strange. What I have to wonder is in Carolina, Jerry Richardson was forced out for kind of making very uncomfortable situations making like his staff or female staffers like give him massages and stuff like that 
I don't remember all the details, but he was forced to sell the team. Dan Snyder is in a very similar spot right now. And it, it just seems like everyone has reached a point of apathy where they almost know that he's not going to sell the team, which makes me wonder what does he have on them? Because if they force Jerry Richardson out, but not Snyder, he's got to have something that he can hold over them because there, there's no way that you can maintain that sort of image without some kind of leverage and not be forced out. So I, I don't get it. Um, I'm hoping that he's gone too. I don't think it's going to happen because, you know, good things don't happen to DMV teams except for the one year that the Capitals won. But hey, now that's a good segue. NHL season starts tonight. <laughs> Seattle. 32nd franchise excited to see what they look like they have the 10 o'clock game tonight cap start their season tomorrow uh big game big media game first game on tnt obviously espn is now has the broadcasting rights for nhl um caps get to take on the rangers which if you followed the nhl at all last season you know that tom wilson single-handedly exploded the rangers front office um, so I'm not going to say this publicly, but I'm going to, the Rangers spent a ton of, well, I shouldn't say a ton of money, a ton of money to us, but spent a fair amount of money on some goons, um, that are in the lineup for tomorrow that will be going after Wilson there. And of course, ESPN and TNT is soaking up every second of this because it plays into the fact that Tom Wilson got their GM and coaching entire coaching staff fired. Um, all for really not doing all that much, just kind of doing what Tom Wilson does and uh, should be interesting. Yeah, no, I'm, I think more than anything, I'm a little bit nervous to see how the cap season goes this year. Um, I'm Oh man, I'm pumped. I, you know me, I, I wasn't really pleased with kind of a, a lack of action in my view of, you know, the, on the roster over the off season. I know you're saying you're okay with it. Um, hey, now we so Ovi's day to day. He got banged up in the last preseason game. He skated today, looked good in practice. Honestly, if he doesn't play tomorrow, I'd be cool with that just because of all this baggage that the Rangers are bringing. Last thing I want to see is Ovi get hurt in game one. Just let him take the night off and come back in game two. Who knows what actually happens with that? I think that the most exciting thing, though, and I don't know if you're aware of this because this just got announced this morning. Um, due to uh, Backstrom being put on long-term IR, he's skating. He'll be back. It just means he hasn't missed a minimum of 10 games. Um, he, from, he had surgery over the offseason on his hip. The Caps, for once, uh, actually have some youth in their lineup. Um, Faravee is on the back end, made the starting six uh, as a defenseman. He's 22. Uh, Hendricks Lapierre is 19, is going to be slotting in at the third line center for us. That's huge. And if Ovi can't go, we also have McMichael, who is uh, 21, I believe. And so we, we're starting to see this next wave come through um, on top of Samsonov and Vanacek and Net. We've got some young pieces. I mean, we've got some some older guys, but I think uh, the, the transition is 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 happening. So gotta be patient. I should be, I, I would just say I'm very excited. Lapierre is a beast. The only reason he fell to us at the end of the first round is because he had some pretty significant neck and head issues when he was in juniors. However, it was ruled that it wasn't concussion issues and it was actually migraine issues. Um, and he's starting on the line with Oshi and Shiri. Not a bad duo to start with. As a third line center, you're very insulated. Dude is a baller. If, if you want to 
use that term on hot in hockey. He's a pucker. He's a pu- ooh mother pucker. Yeah, he um, <laughs> he. I, I think he's a, he's sneaky. And also, if we're gonna throw anything out before we dive into college football stuff, sneaky uh, dark horse uh, player of the year for the Caps outside of the big the big guns: Ovi, Backstrom, uh, Carlson, even Oshie. Right outside of those guys, Daniel Sprong. Calling that right now, October twelfth, twenty twenty one. Daniel Sprong is gonna have a career year. I, I, I love everything you just said, but what kills me is going back to what you started with, where you started with um, Baxter being out for a while and saying that we have some youth in our lineup for once. And that's what concerns me because last year in the playoffs, the Caps just looked slow. They had a lot of injuries. Dude, um, Carlson was playing with a shattered kneecap, did not miss a game. Backstrom was playing with a torn up hip, obviously recovering from. Ovi had some knee issue. Um, so we were playing down to our third string goalie, or you know, with Anderson in because Vanacek and Samsonov both got hurt. Um, I don't know. I, I'm curious. Also, Kuznetsov is going to be key in this. If he can get himself turned around off the ice, meaning no, no white powdery substances and no. Uh, <laughs> No uh, COVID positive COVID issues. Then, um, and he returns to maybe uh, you know spring of 2018 form. I think I think we'll be good, man. I I, I don't think we're we're in the uh, second toughest division in the league. Um, so I mean, it's going to be tough to get out of. But I I think overall we're still going to be putting up you know a record that we're familiar with in, in, in our lifetime. So I'm just, I'm on a wait and see with them, you know, maybe get me to Christmas or new year's before I decide, you know, how much I want to, to believe in their chances this year. Like I, I'm sure there'll be a playoff team, but you know, whether I think they'll be able to make a deep run or not, that's going to be, that's going to be the trick. Um, but speaking of playoffs after this past weekend, especially everything that went down, you know, Al- Alabama losing to Texas A&M, uh, Oklahoma skating by Texas after a wild, wild Red River shootout. Uh, I, don't, I don't care that we're not supposed to call it that anymore. It just rolls that off the tongue. That was a shootout. <laughs> it, it rolls off the tongue easier, and I'm not trying to sound like, you know, a, a total uh, stutter moron, whatever, who can't pronounce Red River rivalry. You know, try saying that 10 times fast. You're going to sound pretty dumb because it's just hard to say. So I'm calling it what I'm calling it. Deal with it. Uh, but, no, I mean, that game was crazy. Uh, even on, like, the lower side, like, Wake Forest, who's undefeated, barely skates by Syracuse up in New York. Uh, it's not going to have any impact on the national title run, but Louisville against Virginia was a really fun game to watch. Virginia skates by on that. Uh, Arizona State handled business Friday night against Stanford. A little bit better than I thought that they would. Uh, that may come into play later on in this podcast. That's what we like to call a tease, Chris. Uh, but either way, it's been a wild, wild weekend in both the college and the NFL landscape, which leads into this weekend, which we start off with Clemson and Syracuse. Syracuse, who I just mentioned, almost took down an undefeated Wake Forest team. Clemson, the last time we saw them a couple of weeks ago, they were struggling, and they ultimately lost to NC State. So, Chris, let's just dive right into it. What, what do you see happening here? 
I'm going to take Clemson in this. Um, obviously, Syracuse had a great game this past weekend. Um, but Clemson, for better or for worse, beat BC at Boston College and kind of got back on the quote-unquote right track. Obviously, BC is not a heavyweight in any way, shape, or form. But they are a solid team that I think compares to Syracuse. Um, you know, kind of that middle-of-the-pack ACC uh, team. And uh, I just... As much as I want to be a Clemson hater, they do have talent on that roster. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go with Clemson over, you know, over Clemson over Syracuse. And let's see, what is the what is the spread? Clemson's over, favored by 14 and a half. So wow. you're saying that they got to win by more than two touchdowns. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm going to go with that. That seems awfully big, but. Um, well yeah no i mean don't get me wrong i've got clemson winning uh but you know by probably at least two touchdowns and a field goal i i understand your hesitation on it but two factors played into that big time for me syracuse just barely lost to wake forest which you think is a good sign but honestly it's it's a bit soul crushing when you're that close to ending an undefeated season and they come back and take you down in overtime, it's hard to recover from that. And also, Clemson having two weeks to prepare for this game, I think, is a huge factor. If this was, you know, Clemson only having a week to get ready for it, I'd still say that they win, but I'd probably say that Syracuse covers, especially since the game is at Syracuse. But Clemson having two weeks to get ready for it, I think that as much as you and I are both not fans of Dabo Swinney, I think if there's a game that he's going to have anyone ready for, it's going to be this one because he's going to tell his guys like, all right, you know, starting after this bye week, if we want to make the playoff as is tradition here now, we got to really, really step our game up and really got to put our feet on other teams' throats and just crush them. I, I'm going to be honest. I don't see Clemson making the playoff, even if they go undefeated the rest of the way. Oh, no. I mean, I don't see them making it either because they have looked bad, but – I still think that Dabo, like he, he's a master at playing the underdog card and he probably has like, what is like his, his fever dream right now when it comes to that, you know, he's, he's in the perfect spot where he's like, you know, no one believes in us. They say we're playing like crap, yada, yada. It's the perfect storm for Clemson to come out after their bye week and come out looking like gangbusters. So I'm taking them uh, 14 and a half. And then I've also got the over 45 and a half just because I think that a lot of people are overvaluing Clemson's struggles on offense and undervaluing the fact that they've had two weeks to get better. Yeah, so we're both going Clemson. Are you going over or under, though? I'm going under. Really? Okay, not thinking there's going to be many points in this one. I think Clemson scoring most of the points in this. Well, Syracuse can put up some well, I guess Clemson's defense is supposed to be kind of good, but that's, a, that's what I'm saying, like talent wise. Now I guess there could be a wrench thrown into all of this is if both teams wear their orange and it's just orange on orange, you know, maybe that's how so <laughs> I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> oh um, man. But let's move on to a game that is orange on orange. Oklahoma State and Texas. Uh Texas also coming off another crushing loss. As I mentioned, they were up big against Oklahoma and I mean they looked like they were going to coast to the finish Texas is finally back everyone who's been saying it forever is finally correct me who's been on the side saying no still not back still don't trust them 
was proven correct because with about 10 minutes left in the game, I put up a blog saying, I'm going to call my shot now. Texas is up by like, I think it was like, it was like 10 minutes left. I think they were up 10 or something like that. And I just called my shot and said, Texas is going to lose this game. And lo and behold, they lost the game. So they're still not, they're not where they need to be. Uh, Oklahoma State is having a much better season than a lot of people were expecting them to have this year. It took me some time to figure this one out. I see you're taking Oklahoma State. Why are you taking them? So a few things kind of echoing exactly what you just said with Clemson and Syracuse. Uh, Texas, obviously, a huge emotional loss and letdown after being up so big on Oklahoma. Um, And on top of that, Oklahoma State is coming off of a bye. Um, So they, they get a week off. Texas has a, you know, a normal week. But dealing with the baggage of Oklahoma, and on top of that, it doesn't help that Oklahoma last week, Oklahoma State this week, maybe there's a little bit of a reminder in their head there to hear the name. Um, also, I, you know, Oklahoma State has had a relatively easy schedule so far. Um, their last game came against Baylor, um, who was ranked at the time. Um, they they have a – I like their running back, Warren. I mean, Oklahoma State, obviously um, – pretty noted for, for having some pretty heavy running backs throughout its time. Um, and above all, I mean, Mike Gundy, like him or not, I know there's some weird off-field issues with him. Um, he's a good coach. He always has Oklahoma State, you could say, overachieving. So I just see all that lining up for an Oklahoma State win. Um, now, as for the over-under, oh, man, I'm going to go under – just because I, I don't see Texas being able to put up that many points like they did last week. And I'm also going to put a little asterisk or a, an asterisk is the wrong term. Uh, if we step to the, to the right a little bit here, what does Oklahoma do with Spencer Radler? See, that's a tough one because I was thinking that you kind of just let him go. But then I heard somebody make the point that, you know, Penn state this past week, they lost their game against Iowa because Sean Clifford got hurt and they don't have a backup quarterback anymore. So Rattler can't go anywhere during the season, which I think is fine, but I think that you still have to try to like keep him happy for the sake of having a quality backup quarterback, whether it's your young guy who came in, who looked amazing and you go back to Rattler or you keep Rattler on the bench because I mean, he's, he's not, he hasn't shown himself to be the Heisman front runner that he was at the start of the season, but he's still good. Yeah. I mean, I also, it's interesting. Rattler got one of the more notable NIL deals and now he's technically sitting on the bench or at least was last week. And, you know, they've been calling for him to, to be benched for a few weeks now. He's also NFL eligible. I does think he, that, does I think he come he back? Did, he has to, because he knows, especially if this is the last he gets on the field this season, he has to be smart enough to know that that's not a good look. And if he goes into the NFL draft right now, he will lose so much money based on that. Yeah, I mean, I'm also not going to lie. Like, if he were, say so, say that exact situation plays out that you just mentioned. So he's benched the rest of the year. We've seen all we've seen from him. And there is quite a bit of footage on him. You know, he, he's... They do have tapes that they can view. Obviously, not not all that happening this year. Um, 
I would also say that don't forget Oklahoma's offensive line has not been great. My hope would be that he would not enter the NFL draft because I would not want him falling to the Steelers. You know, honestly, I think that if even if he falls to the Steelers, he probably wouldn't do too much there. So I don't know. I mean, he throws a nice ball. You cannot deny that. Um, he, he does. It's just I've heard so many things about like he just has like a super like attitude issue, and he just he seems to be a little bit problematic wherever he's at, whether it's like his high school days or Oklahoma. So I feel like he's one of those people who. You know, I feel like he's almost like a Josh Rosen type, if you remember him from a few years ago, where like people's complaint about him was that like he was a bit arrogant. He felt like he was smarter than most people in the room. I get the feeling that Spencer Rattler probably feels the same way, but maybe not necessarily smarter than everybody in the room. He just thinks he's better talent wise or ability wise than everyone in the room. And he could very well be correct, but his attitude is getting in the way of it. So he, he might be good again but like i just i see this trending down more of like a josh rosen rather than i see it trending up as like a josh allen who was ridiculously talented but he's gotta be one of like the most humble guys out there right now because he just seems like he's a giant kid just running around having fun like he's playing pranks with his teammates during games and like doing stuff like that well sorry not during games but like during practice and then, like, during games, he's absolutely balling out. So I see him as more of a Josh Rosen mold than I do with Josh Allen, and I'd much rather go for someone who's a Josh Allen kind of person. I mean, agreed. It's hard to argue against that. Josh Allen's a beast. Yeah. So, and I mean, Josh Rosen, he got replaced after one season. That speaks all that I need to know about that. Granted, Kyler Murray, absolute boss. But if Josh Rosen was your guy, you wouldn't have been getting Kyler Murray. You would have been getting somebody to help Josh Rosen. So, yeah, I don't know. Moving back to Texas and Oklahoma State, I've got Texas in this one, but I've got it as a close game. Uh, I, I am taking the under, which is set of 59 and a half, but I've got Texas winning just because even though they did lose to Oklahoma, they put up a ton of points. And I think that their offense is just a bit more explosive right now than Oklahoma State's because Oklahoma State, unlike years past where they're, you know, throwing the ball around the yard, they've got receivers everywhere, that sort of thing they kind of play a bit of more of an ugly style this year where they kind of want to like muddy up the game some. So I just think that Texas being a bit more dynamic will give them the edge in, in the victory column, but I think Oklahoma state's going to cover that spread. So moving on from there, we go to the recent, uh, I guess you could call it the, the losers bowl uh, with Auburn and, and Arkansas where both teams again, coming off losses, uh, Arkansas was an absolute shootout against Ole Miss where people were, you know, out in the parking lot putting out uh, lost and found signs for both teams' defenses because neither of them could get a stop. Uh, Arkansas ended up losing on a two-point conversion, not because Ole Miss stopped them, but frankly, just because Arkansas missed it. So Auburn's had its struggles. Uh, they just lost to Georgia, but they put up a much better performance against Georgia than Arkansas did when they had played them two weeks ago. Uh, Bo Nix is still Bo Nix. He's like the most hot and cold kind of guy that there is. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm taking Arkansas and I'm going to take Arkansas to cover the three and a half point spread just because I think that Bo Nix, he's one of those guys who can be really, really good at home. But when you, when you get him on the road, he's an absolute loose cannon. You don't know what you're getting out of him. He's you know hot and cold. Like one week he could pull off a major upset 
I remember a few years back, I think he pulled one off against Oregon uh, where, you know, Auburn wasn't favored to win at all. And he did put up a good performance against Penn State earlier this year, but ultimately it wasn't good enough to win. And I feel like that sort of thing's going to happen again because Arkansas is, is at a, a really key juncture in their season. They have to win this game, not only for this season, but for their future, because if they want to get good recruits in, this is the moment where Sam Pittman and the rest of his team have to be able to prove to these kids coming in, we are a program that's truly on the rise. We weren't overrated early in the season. We just kind of ran into a buzzsaw. And then, you know, it was a, it was a coin flip, whether they were going to win against Ole Miss or not, because if they kick the extra point, they make it, goes into overtime, who knows what happens? So he, he went for a bold decision. It just didn't happen to, you know, work out in his favor. I like the fact that he went for it. But, you know, right now it's just – it seems like this game is – it's one of those Arkansas at home, which just gives me more faith in them. Uh, I do think this game is going to be full of some points, so definitely hammer the over, which is currently set at 53-and-a-half. I have to admit, I'm frankly kind of surprised that this over-under is set lower than, uh, than the Oklahoma State-Texas one. And I feel like that just speaks Auburn uh, volumes about what people think about Auburn and the inconsistencies that they have on offense. Well said. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm picking uh, Arkansas as well. Um, I think, you know, rewind a few weeks and we were um, questioning uh, KJ Jefferson as a quarterback, you know, he's definitely a dual threat guy. Um, well, he balled out last week. Um Regardless of of the overall outcome, obviously a loss to um, on the uh, versus Ole Miss, um, but he threw over three hundred yards, three touchdowns, rushed for almost another hundred yards, and had three touchdowns on the ground. Um, safe to say he's pseudo Lamar Jackson esque, or at least importance wise to that offense, and that's a total wild card. Um, on the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> of wild card you have bone nicks like you said who's just really hot and then really cold you know you have to wonder uh he's making i, I believe he has a bojangles and nil uh contract which is just kind of hilarious because obviously playing off his name but um i don't know auburn is just such an odd team i just don't i think that the the they benefit from being in the sec and that's why they always get kind of knocked around as a top 25 team at least this year. Um, but I'm taking Arkansas as well. And um, yeah, I see it going over 53. Um, We're agreeing on a lot of stuff this week, which this, yeah, I, I do have to say, um, unfortunately, you know, last weekend was phenomenal. This weekend does seem like a little bit of a, a kind of a fallback on the slate. You know, this seems like the kind of weekend where, maybe a couple of good matchups, but you know, if you got some things to do around the house uh, you know, you've got some projects you need to finish up. Uh, if your partner wants to get you out of the house on a Saturday for the first time in forever, this seems like it might be the weekend to do it as much as I hate to say it. Still some good games, just not, you know, ones that are going to be full as, of as many fireworks as last week. Yeah. Um, it's also hard to, to say that. And then look at this next game that we have up on the docket, which is, Pretty heavy, pretty heavy. <laughs> okay, it's it's heavy, but I don't know how good it's going to turn out to be. And for the uh, for everyone listening, we're talking about the Georgia and Kentucky game. This is a massive prove it spot 
I think for both teams. Agreed. You know, the, the Kentucky side of things, that's obvious. You have a chance to prove that you are taking another step up in tiers in the SEC. The program has gone from being a doormat to being pretty solid recently. Bob Stoops doing work. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's been pretty good. Uh, but now you get the chance to move from pretty good to damn good. You know, you, you can move up from where you're currently situated at, which not many people would expect much out of you. Now, now you can move up to like the second SEC East team as opposed to that being Florida, because it's kind of always just been, you know, Georgia, Florida. Those two have been, you know, the mainstays on the eastern side of the SEC. Uh, the rest of the SEC East has been pretty garbage. Uh, Tennessee can score, but not consistently enough to be a good team. So they, they have some obvious things they can prove here. But Georgia... Man, they they are in a in a situation where they cannot be familiar with where that because now they're the team with the targets on their back. Alabama um, goes down to Texas A and M last week in what was a thrilling, thrilling game. Uh, it was it was just incredible to watch. Like I, I know that you were at a bachelor party, uh, and obviously that's more important. I I'm sure you guys had a ton of fun, but I admit I was a little bit sad for you that you didn't get a chance to like. I watched the end of that game. That I was uh, I had that up on my phone. Um, that was the only game that I was actually able to watch that kid the tail end of. Um, I, I I think that it's important to say you know, and this is basically what you were prefacing that Georgia's in uncharted territory. When's the last time that that Alabama lost and Georgia then slid up to number one, and now they're the big dogs, literally and figuratively. Um, I just, I yeah, I don't. I think. It's really going to be who caves the most under pressure, but I'm going Georgia here mainly because their defense has been unreal. Um, and I know we, we talked about um, obviously Spencer Rattler being in the Heisman, Heisman talks. JT Daniels was a lot of people's dark horse for a Heisman run this year. And obviously he's been hurt. I wonder what that does. Uh, obviously I'm not super hip on his eligibility. I think this is his last year. Um, I think it is. So obviously the, the George is also doing all this with a backup quarterback, you know, granted it's SEC backup. So who knows? Um, you know, he'd probably start at basically every other school in the country. Um, but I like Georgia in this. Um, it's, I mean, this is just, it's a huge game for both, both teams. Obviously game day will be um, in Athens Georgia's at home, which does play a role in this. Um, yeah, I, the, Georgia's defense is, is giving up an average of five points a game. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. <laughs> and on yeah. top of that, you know, regardless of Daniels or not, um, they're averaging almost 40 points a game on offense. That's a huge spread right there. And on top of that, they're balanced. They have a, a, a rushing attack. They have what, uh, Zamir White, James Cook. Uh, Milton, uh, there's another one, um, uh, McIntosh. These are all dudes that are like legit runners. I mean, we know SEC running backs kind of go, you know, hand in hand. And I, I just don't, I don't see Kentucky being able to stop that. Yeah. You know, I, as much as this is a prove it game for both teams, this is also just like a prove it game for me. Like every time a team goes against Georgia, they have to prove to me that they can cover the spread before I actually pick a team to cover the spread. So at some point, if somebody does cover it, I'm going to get burnt. 
but I am more than happy to keep picking Georgia and the points just because nobody's done it yet. So why would I believe that somebody could? So Georgia is 22 and a half point favorites, which between the number one and the number 16 team is absurd, which just shows like the parody of this year. Cause Georgia is like the only team that has really like stepped up as a clear cut top level program. Cause Alabama's got their issues too. Kentucky's 11, not, not 16th, which okay. makes this th- even I crazier. Were, I think they were 16 the week before. Which makes it even crazier. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, but just seeing what I've seen, if Georgia really wanted to, they could be averaging zero points against all season. Because, I mean, granted, they haven't really played anyone. You know, at least not in terms of like explosive offenses or anything like that. Because, I mean, we thought Clemson was a good matchup, but they've proven to be kind of meh. And the rest of their schedule has been a little bit soft by comparison. Uh, At least Arkansas looked good going in. And then Georgia kind of reminded them like, hey, it's it's not your time yet. But Yeah, which this game has very similar shades of. It really does. It really, really does, which is why. For me, it's always Georgia and the points just because until somebody does it, I can't say that they're going to do it until I see it. See, I'm going Georgia. I'm going to go under, though. You're taking the over. I don't see Kentucky being able to put up a ton of points against this defense. So I thought about that for a while, and I think that because Auburn was able to put up points against Georgia, albeit at Auburn, which does play a factor into it, especially in college. But they could put up some points. I think Kentucky can put up a decent amount of points. Or at the very least, their defense might be able to cause like a turnover or two that sets their offense up to get points. Because Kentucky's offense isn't really that great either. But at the same time, like their defense is solid enough, which is how they've gotten to where they've gotten. So you give them a chance to like kind of stop Georgia's offense, which as we've talked about, they're a bit of a machine. They're not an overpowering machine, but they're just like an efficient machine. And at some point you could probably throw like a monkey wrench into those gears and, you know, have something show up where like, you know, Oh, Hey, like here's a unexpected turnover. And now Kentucky's got the ball on Georgia's 30 yard line. Who knows what could happen? So I feel like that's going to happen. I just feel like 44 and a half is too low. Uh, and maybe I'm just giving Kentucky a little bit more credit than I am Arkansas because I've at least seen Kentucky kind of like build their program over the last few seasons. Whereas right now this, this feels like Arkansas like first true season of growth. So I just, I have a little bit more faith in Kentucky right now than I do Arkansas. As much as I love the Arkansas story, I just, I, I think that they can at least get something on the board and I think Georgia takes care of the rest. All right. Well, I mean, we're, we're on the same page there. I would definitely say this is the game or should be the game of the weekend. Um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. So let's, let's move out to the conference that has the most question marks at the moment. Uh, this will be our final FBS, the old FBS uh, system uh, game this week. And we've got Arizona State on the slate again. Uh, going against a Utah team that is no longer ranked. Uh, but, Chris, I think they're better than people give them credit for. They dismantled USC last week. 
They've lost they, the only games that they have lost have been the teams who are ranked in the top 25. And initially, like people looked at their San Diego State loss as a really, really bad loss on their record, but they're number 24 now. So losing to the Aztecs doesn't look so bad. And th- this game has the factor with Arizona State where they're kind of in their own little prove it spot because they have been massively hot and cold. You know, puns about sun devils and everything, you know, aside, but they're going on the road to what I'd say is a quality t- opponent. And as we've discussed, the Pac 12 has a knack for cannibalizing itself. So I'm curious to see how you see this one playing out over in, uh, I think, is Utah in Salt Lake City? I think it's Salt Lake City. Let's, let's yes. go with let's go with that. <laughs> I um I'm going ASU here. I mean I, I picked them last week and that was one of the few, if really only bright spots of my own entire picks. Just ignore last week. Let's pretend it didn't happen. Um, I think um uh, ASU wins. Um, they have the top scoring defense in the Pac-12. Once again, not really saying all that much, but that you know that's notable going on the road. That's that's big for them. Um, I think you know Utah. I don't know. It's a curse or something. I don't know. They've had to deal with a lot of off-field issues, um, notably players passing away. Um, very tragic, obviously. Um, but ASU's, you know, kind of been quite dark course here. And I mean, they're undefeated. And if they keep rolling, they easily win the Pac-12 South. So. I, I, you know, this is kind of, this is their time to shine. Uh, I trust their coaching staff more. And also I love how we're just all ignoring the fact that they had all that, that those scandals before the season started and everyone was like, Oh, well, you know, is the coaching staff gone? Um, but I I'm going ASU here. Um, and also I'd like to point out, you say that Utah has lost, uh, only to pack, uh, to top 25 teams. Arizona state is definitely a top 25 team. <laughs> That's a fair point, but at the same time, Arizona State has proven themselves to be ridiculously inconsistent, uh, which is why I ended up taking Stanford last week. And I think that where my mistake was on that was seeing that, you know, Arizona State was playing at home. And much like most college teams, they play significantly better at home. But I think like the, the disparity between how they play at home and on the road is probably like double compared to most teams because they are not they just don't look nearly as good on the road as they do in it at Arizona State. So for me, I'm taking what would be an upset with this one. Uh, also because I think that it is just tradition for the Pac-12 to eat itself from the inside out. And this just seems like the perfect spot for Utah to come through and knock off a team that, you know, could be the conference's second best hope at getting somewhere high up, maybe not in the playoff. Well, definitely not in the playoff with how they've looked, but get at least sniffing the playoff. So, you know, th- this just seems like that perfect sort of spot for an upset to happen. Pac-12 after dark sort of situation. It, it just seems right. Um, so give, give me Utah. Uh, obviously, Utah to cover the spread. Uh, the one thing that I do see is points. So I think 50 and a half is a little bit low. For the over/under, I'm a bit surprised that it's there because neither team seems to struggle to put uh, to put up points, and I think that you know definitely hammer that over and you'll be safe. 
Yeah, I'm going to take, uh, well, I'm taking ASU, but with the over as well. Um, I think lots of points can be put up. Obviously, I mean, ASU, like you said, is on the road. They won on the road at UCLA earlier this year, and you can say that that, that was a pretty big game at the time. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I hope the Pac-12 doesn't eat itself from the inside out again. It happens every year. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it, it does, but their best hope is Oregon, and Oregon has a loss now. So well, to be fair though, I mean with Bama losing though, that really resets that once again. The target is now on Georgia's back. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there are going to be multiple one loss, if not even some two loss teams making the uh, playoff. This is going to be a wild sprint to the finish in college football for the first time in what feels like ever. Yeah, um, actually, so I, I don't know, um, maybe if, if I interject here before we move on to FCS, which had some massive shifts in it as well this past year, or this past week. Um, do we want to say, I mean, obviously, we're about halfway through, just about through the regular season for college. Um, do we want to say, like, our projections as to maybe playoff guys? Is that heavy? Is it? Is it even too soon to say? I think there's still so much that's going to go on because, yeah, even in the Big Ten, Ohio State right now looks like they're a clear-cut favorite. But at the same time, I think it's like one weekend where they're playing Penn State, and then like Michigan and Michigan State are playing each other at the same time, and then they kind of like interchange with each other uh, towards the end of October, early November, and I think that alone could really shift the landscape in one direction or another. So you can ask me who my playoff four is. And my answer to you right now is I don't know. Yeah. I, I think Georgia for sure, as long as they don't get tripped up, but yes, other than that, I mean, even Cincinnati has to be looking around going, we're undefeated. You know, we should be clear cut in, but at the same time, just because of like how they're looking at everybody else. Now that Alabama has a loss that that almost makes it look worse for Cincinnati because Alabama is one of those teams where like everyone's like, well, you know, even with one loss, they're definitely a title favorite, but they have looked bad anytime that they have, they have left Tuscaloosa uh, except for like a neutral site game against Miami, who as we've discussed is far from back. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, I think that as long as Alabama wins out, they could be that two loss team that gets in. If they lose to Georgia in the title game, as long as they keep it close or if Alabama wins the SEC title, are you going to knock Georgia out with one loss? Because they've looked like the best team all season. And it's just, you know, it's it's the last game of the season, so recency bias. But at the same time, you could easily make a claim if Alabama wins that, then you've got the two best teams in the country playing each other. And I put air quotes up with that. But at the same time, that might actually be an accurate statement. I mean, yeah, I, I would definitely say Alabama is even two losses. They are still a top five team. Easy. Um, I will say, you know, this Michigan Ohio State game, looking down the head, you know, down the road a little bit. Man, if there's a year for Harbaugh to win against uh, Ohio State, this is the year. And Michigan has, you know, looked good. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of football to be left to be played, and I'm just, I mean, looking at at the, you know, the AP standings. If Kentucky were to pull off an upset against Georgia, whoa. <laughs> I mean, I think at that point, if, if Kentucky pulls off the upset, the world just goes into chaos. And I have to say, I love it. 
I mean, this is good. This is that we all love this. I mean, the, I, I, I... the one thing that I can say for certain, because I can't give you my my playoff four right now, but the one thing that I can say for certain is this has been the best season of college football in, in my lifetime that I can remember. It doesn't have the best teams because, you know, you're lacking like certain like I guess you want to call it like superstar teams, but in a way that almost makes it more fun. Because Georgia does seem like a superstar team because of their defense, but defense just isn't sexy. So they don't kind of have that, you know, like shine to them where they look really good. And, you know, they look as if they're like a clear cut number one. People will still talk about them as if they can be knocked off. And having a number one team that at least gives the idea that they can be beaten, I think is a lot more fun for viewers than having – a, like a number one team that everyone's just like, oh yeah, they're going to win. Like the, the 2019 LSU squad, they did have to prove a couple of things, you know, when they went to Alabama, beat Alabama, and then they won the national title. But at the same time, if you really look at the whole season, you're sitting there going, the only reasons we have questions is just because Alabama is Alabama. Uh, you know, they were clear cut. They're going to win the whole time. No, like no issue, no nothing. And it, it wasn't – the only reason it was exciting was because their offense was just so good. So I, I like the idea of having top teams that at least give me the vibe that they can go down. Like a lot of people – I think the reason why uh, something like March Madness is so much fun is because even though by the time that you get down to the final four, you've usually, you've usually got like a couple of number ones, a number two, maybe a number three seed. Like usually you end up with the top seeds, but at least it gives you the idea – that David can take down Goliath. So even though you like, you still get those like big name, like Kentucky Dukes um, this past year was what Baylor Gonzaga, uh, you know, the, the bigger programs, the ones that have been around for a while, the ones that have been dominant, even though they usually end up there at the end, you at least get the idea that they can go down. And that's why it's so much fun. Totally. Parody is great in sports. Love it. Yeah. So that's all well and good. Um, let's move on to FCS. And before we get to our game of the week, I just want to make a point. JMU goes down last week to Villanova. Didn't see that one coming, but happy to see it. So, you know, we just 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 always a little happy to see them take an L. Uh, but we're starting to get a little bit of a clearer picture of things. I will say that last week we did pick, we both picked uh, South Dakota State. Who also lost <laughs> in overtime. And as we mentioned, there were some serious points in that game. And I was checking in on the game as much as I could. It looked like Southern Illinois had to pull off a huge, huge comeback in order just to tie the game up. So FCS ball, it's been some fun this year. Uh, now this week, we've got another top 20 matchup between Montana state and Weber state. Chris, how do you see this playing out? I'm going with uh, Montana State. I don't see uh, why not. Um, they have an overall better record. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know much about Montana State, but they're five and one. Um, they've just you know kind of been taking care of their own business. Um, and uh, Weber State is now two and three on the season. Not great. Um, I, I, you know, I know that that's part of the product of 
FCS playing FBS teams and being competitive and whatnot. But, and obviously, you know, there is a gap there and that should be taken into consideration, but tell me how a two and three team is ranked 18th in the country or in the country of SCS. So I'll tell you why is they're probably, I feel like FCS writers have the opportunity to be a little bit more objective than FBS because there isn't, there really just isn't a whole lot of sex appeal with any FCS team. Cause everyone looks at it as, as you know, it's just F- FCS. So why do we care so much? Like they're, they're working on their craft so they could probably get up to the FBS level. Uh, I think that they're still ranked because think like here are the teams that they've lost to. They lost to Utah 40 to 17, no shame in that whatsoever. They lost to James Madison by 13, who even though JMU just lost to Villanova, Juggernaut. <laughs> they they were an absolute wagoon. And they also lost to UC Davis, who I can't really remember who UC Davis took down earlier this year. And I'm kind of like clicking through it, see who was. Oh, they took down Tulsa. And Tulsa, if we remember, gave Ohio State some fits. So all three of the teams that they've lost to, and they only lost to UC Davis by three. Even though that like they have three losses, yes. Uh, one for the FCS teams, they were reasonably close for what you could expect, uh, but they were also against quality teams. Like UC Davis ranked ahead of them. JMU definitely ranked ahead of them. Utah, they're an FBS team, so I've got no complaints there. Uh, Montana State, their one loss was a 19 to 16. I'm sure was an absolute barn burner to to Wyoming, but. They do have good reason to be ranked higher. They're averaging like between 30 to the highest they've gotten was like 52 points against San Diego uh, this year outside of the Wyoming game. So they're clearly a good team, but checking out their schedule, they've played, you know, Drake, San Diego, Portland State, Northern Colorado, and Cal Poly, which in the FCS world, not exactly a murderer's row. Yeah. So this is their first real test for them. I am taking Montana State, and I'm not going to lie. I'm 1,000% actually using this game as sort of a, uh, a barometer of what to expect for next week. It, well, either next week or two weeks from now. I can't remember which. Let me take a quick look again. Two weeks from now. Uh, so this for me is a, is a barometer for November 6th, which is, wow, I'm terrible at math. That's three weeks, so they have a butt. God, I am terrible at this. Um, but November 6th, the important thing is they travel to Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington has the red Inferno field, which is awesome. Sick. Yeah. And they're also number two in the FCS right now. So for me, I was taking a look at matchups saying, you know, okay, kind of like how there is in the FBS, there aren't the greatest matchups in the world this week in the FCS. But when I saw this one, I said to myself, okay, you know, Montana State comes out, if they handle Weber State pretty handily, maybe Weber State doesn't deserve to be ranked. That's fair. That's a fair possibility. But this will tell me if Montana State has even like a shot against Eastern Washington, because assuming that they win, and then, you know, as long as they handle business uh, two weeks for, or like a week and a half from now against Idaho State. I, I can't foresee them losing to Idaho State. But as, assuming that they handle all of that, it's going to be a, a top 10 matchup. And if there's some more shakeups in front of them, 
maybe South Dakota State goes down again, Villanova, uh, some teams, it could potentially be a top five matchup. Mm. I don't think it'll be, but it has that potential. So give me Montana State. I personally think that they win this one pretty clearly, but I'm using this to just like, you know, like I've been saying, to whet my appetite for when they travel to Eastern Washington, because that one in the FCS landscape, much like Southern Illinois and South Dakota State turned into a really, really fun game. I feel like that's got the same potential. Totally. Also important to note that Villanova gave Penn State some issues a few weeks ago. So They did cover the spread, which was yeah. impressive. So Villanova, solid team. Yeah, I mean, they would be 4-0 if they didn't play Penn State. So, yeah. And also, I mean, we're speaking of Montana State for the game this week, but, you know, Montana did knock off Washington, you know. So, I mean, there's some sneaky teams this year. And honestly, that loss for James Madison is huge just because of those top-tier teams that we were just talking about um, within the FCS landscape um, that, you know, that James Madison is going to have to – I don't know. They, they've they, they've got some work to do, especially uh, in the with the, the the way the FCF playoff works. They could get some tough matchups. So the other thing that I, I assumed, but also just confirmed, looking at Montana uh, Montana State's schedule, could you imagine how fun it, it is to end your season Montana State against Montana? Oh man! Because both teams in the FCS are are quality teams, like high quality teams. I think they're both top ten right now. So yeah. you end your season with that, that could be huge for FCS playoff seeding, figuring out who your opponent's going to be, stuff like that. And I know that Montana isn't the most populous of state, but <laughs> I feel like at Montana Stadium, because they're playing at you know the Big Grizz Stadium, that, that has to be a packed game. I feel like that's one of those like kind of like hidden gems in the country where if like if I could afford to go out, you know, November 20th and see that game. I feel like I'd walk away from that going, that was incredible just because like the atmosphere and things like that. Yeah. I mean, there's not really much else for them to do out there. They don't have a pro team, right? There, there really aren't like cities. Eh, hockey. So, um, if I, if I recall, I think Montana is actually like huge on like rodeos and stuff like that. Of course, but we're, we're talking, we're talking to power sports here. <laughs> Well, yes, but if you're living in Montana, do the power sports really matter to you that much? I mean, if you're if you're growing up in an area where like, you know, guys who are running rodeos and stuff like that are the ones who you're looking up to, why would you go play a power sport if it's really not pushed like it's a power sport to you? Of course. Um, but that, that's that's just me just you know being curious about that because I could see them basically I'm basically saying I could see them finding other things to do. So like some of your best talented players could just be not as in love with the game as you know like say a high schooler from texas is because you know football is king in texas i just don't think that's the same way in montana no yeah it definitely isn't um but i would imagine that that game is just insane because of everything i just said that that there isn't much to do like that's probably just like an annual event that it's i'm I'm sure what's the name of that rivalry (laughs) Uh, we'd, we'd have to look that one up, and I, I don't think we have time to this week. So, um, but per usual, I'm actually going to have that be where we wrap things up here. Uh, thanks again for everyone who has listened, uh, especially now that we're pushing this out on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to everyone who has listened on there. Uh, it seems like statistically things are going up in a good direction that way. So appreciate to everyone who listens. I will double appreciate to anyone who likes, subscribes, reviews, 
uh, shares it with a friend, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, also, you know, I'll, I'll enjoy anyone who can find me on Twitter, uh, A-V-G-S-E-A-N, Average Sean Media on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the whole gambit. Uh, find me on there. Fo- give us a follow. Let us know what you think. Uh, thanks again for listening, and we will see you guys next week.